Well, we read Exodus uh, chapter 1 and uh, the whole chapter. And these are the names of the son of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died. And all his brothers and all that generation, but the people of Israel, were fruitful and increased greatly. They multitude, uh, they multiplied and grew exceedingly strong. So the whole land was filled with them. Now, there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. And so they ruthlessly made the people of Israel workers slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they, made, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiphrah and the other Pur, when you serve as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it's a son, you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Israel commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all the people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile. But he shall let every daughter live. We're going to pause there. Uh, Nat is uh, 
uh, Hannah's going to uh, take the children out and uh, we'll learn more. That is a great story. We're going to be uh, learning from it. And here's a question to start with. How do you know when God is blessing people? How do you know when God is blessing people? A friend of mine last Friday said miracles. Miracles will happen when God is blessing. Another person who I met, uh, an African friend of mine, said prosperity will happen when God is blessing. Money comes in and you get uh, richer. And people seem to think blessing and blue skies go well together. But we're going to find something different that makes the God who blesses very different to what we would expect. We're going to find out two things about God today. One, that God blesses people by keeping his promises. In other words, he doesn't make all the clouds go away, but he has one special track that he will work down. Certain things he will do because he has promised to do them. We're going to find this is a God like that. Second thing we're going to find out, point two, that this God always keeps his promises through absolute opposition. Uh, this God won't do things with things going easy and our way. He will always do things through maximum opposition to show how great he is. Now, we're going to see the first of those two, uh, and that is God blesses by keeping his promises. And we're going to be seeing that's something very special about this God in the Bible. Because what we're seeing about God keeping the promises in Exodus, which is the second book of the Bible, it kind of tells you that there is a book before that where God has made the promise that he will keep. And the book of Exodus starts with that word. And it's not written in our English translation, but it is in the Hebrew, showing that there's a connection between book one, book two. And these are the names, because you've had the promise in book one. In book one, in Genesis, uh, chapter one, uh, the first book of the Bible, you see God made a promise to a man called Abraham. And just turn back and we look at that promise. Genesis chapter 12 and in verses 2 and 3 the Lord said to Abraham um, Genesis chapter 12 verses 2 and 3 page 8 yes uh, the Lord said to Abraham I will make you a great nation I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. 
to other people. I will bless those who curse you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And he knew all the families of the world will be blessed. Well, Abraham is going to turn into a big, big number of people. Well, he had one. One son, Isaac. And Isaac had two. Esau and Jacob. But Jacob had And in Exodus chapter 1 verse 2, Exodus chapter 1 verse 2, you have the names. God is keeping the promises. You can put names to each one of those if you look at Exodus chapter 1 verse 2. Yes, there are 12. I counted them too. <laughs> so there you are. Uh, and, and you've got... Uh, the twelve, but those twelve have other families, and all together, if you look at verse five, you will see that there are now seventeen. Yeah, so God is keeping His promise, and the family is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And already, as Hannah said there have been a blessing to uh, other nations. There have been a blessing to Egypt. Egypt had no food. They had a famine. And uh, what happened was that uh, uh, the king of Egypt had a dream. And Joseph understood the dream and he got everyone to keep food so when there was no food they were able to eat 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 when there was a famine and so therefore um, he helped the people of egypt don't look it now when you get home genesis 41 and you will read that story don't read it now but when you get home read it genesis 41 and the story is there And they have a, uh, they, 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 the, the people of Egypt have food. God kept his blessing that they will be a blessing to others. And so therefore, they are a blessing to others and they are getting bigger and bigger all the time. In fact, if you look at um, uh, verse 7, Exodus chapter 1 verse 7, you will see the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. Now that is just like the promise God made in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Be fruitful and multiply. It's like God's promise to creation is happening with Abraham's family. They are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they are still being a blessing to others. In fact, it is because they are getting so big that now the Egyptians are quite frightened. 
Because now that they have forgotten Joseph, in verse 8, they did not know Joseph, they've now forgotten that God's people are a blessing. And now they're scared of God's people getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Because what happens if an enemy comes and they fight against Egypt? And so just in a few verses, just in 12 verses, the land of Goshen where they lived in changed from being a housing area for refugees to being a labor camp for slaves. But they are still, even when life is hard, they are still serving and being a blessing for God's people. Because if you look at this map, can't connect to iCloud because of the this. Is it working? Uh, yeah. Even now, in, uh, the, although the life is hard, in verse 11, they are still serving and blessing the Egyptians. They are building these cities. Even as slaves, they are working and helping another nation. And maybe that is something we can learn from because it is important for us to see Christians are a blessing to other people. Most of the voluntary work that goes on in this country are done by people who go to church. And yet people feel threatened. They don't like Christians. They don't trust us. And for most people, well, the smaller the number of Christians, the better. We don't want too many Christians. And in Iran, it is just uh, keep, keep them down. Christians are a blessing, but they are seen as a threat. And many people say, Christians, bad, bad. They are the reasons why we have war. Well, religions are the reasons. But Christians are not into battle. They are into blessing. And the persecution of God's people is unfair because God's people are a blessing to other people. Really important for us to remember that. Point one. God blesses by keeping his promises. They're going to get bigger and they are a blessing to other people. But point two, God keeps his promises always through opposition. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see how Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, tries to put people down three ways. First, with the children. In verse 12, before they are born. Yeah, well, that's absolutely true. Uh, and uh, they uh, said, right, okay, make them work hard, make them work hard, make them work hard. So when the men get home, they are so tired, they can't think of anything but sleep. But that's a good plan. 
not just because it kind of makes people too exhausted and takes away their energy, but it also takes away their incentive for living because who wants to bring children into a world like this where everybody's so miserable? Why do we want to have kids for them to be doing what we have to do? It's a good plan, but it doesn't work. There's more and more and more and more children because when you are under pressure, you look for comfort. And more babies come in verse 12. So, in the next stage, which is a bit further on, as they are being born, Pharaoh says, only the girls can live, in verse 16. And, well, we have um, uh, two midwives that come along and they make sure that the boys live too. Pharaoh's plan backfires. And they say... Uh, we can't get to the babies in time. Now, probably these two midwives were in charge of other midwives. You can't expect two midwives to get everywhere in a baby boom. Uh, they must have had other people helping, but they weren't getting there in time. They stopped, probably, as they were getting near the house. They probably stood outside the door till they heard the baby. Then, ah, oh, too late, I'll now go in and help. Um, <laughs> Uh, so Pharaoh uh, they might have been lying Pharaoh couldn't check anyway and we might say well lies are a bad thing well they are but these women would do anything rather than go against God and so the babies are born and then the next stage is a bit further up this time they are born and Verse 23, we'll throw them into the Nile. But we'll see next week that a boy can be safe in the Nile. They know to swim. That wasn't quite how it happened because there was, that way. we'll come back next week and we'll tell you how that took place. They certainly would. <laughs> that would be an incentive, wouldn't there? Yes, absolutely right. So, it doesn't work. God keeps his promises through opposition. People are keeping down and God is raising up. Two lessons for us to learn today. People say there is no God. People say, look, there is suffering. This is ethnic cleansing. I had uh, lunch on Wednesday with a really good, uh, I like him very much, a friend, just become a friend. He's an atheist. I can just imagine him saying something like this. This is a humanitarian disaster with an absent God in a remote heaven who does nothing to help his people. That's what it looks like. So people think 
No gods. Why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen to God's own people? Surely, if there's a God, he would stop that. I mean, look what happened to his son, Jesus, on the cross. God? No. But what we need to understand is that Exodus helps us to see a different God. A God who will work through suffering to achieve his promises. And especially through the bad times that happened to his people. Look at what he did when Jesus died on the cross to save his people in the end. My friend, this is a new God for us to understand. This is a new God for us to be amazed by. This is a new God for us to trust. This is a new God for us to follow. This is a great God we'll be learning about in this book. Secondly, be very careful where you look for blessing. Even church people can look for God's blessing in good times. And we want God to do the miracles to change our bad times. And we think that if we're God's people, we will get more blessing come to us. We want prosperity to make our life easier. But the trouble is, when we think like that, church people, in the end, are no different to mosque people, to temple people. Because all religious people want God to do them some favours. Because they've done God some favours. And they should get payback. People think like that. And therefore, when God doesn't do what we think he should do, when God fails, we give up. Because we've got the wrong God. <coughs> we pray, and our babies die. And that happens in this chapter. There are babies that die. But we need to understand that God's blessing comes to us through opposition. Life will not be easy because God's promise comes through suffering. And God's promise is not to make the skies blue. It is to make you and me like the Lord Jesus Christ. And we cannot be like him if there's no suffering that we have to trust God through as we follow him. God's promise is to make you like Jesus. It'll happen only through the difficult days we live through. And God's promise is to make you a blessing to other people. That'll only happen as you and I suffer and then help other people 
who are suffering. That is uh, what uh, um, in the New Testament, in, um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4, uh, don't look it up, I'll read it to you. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter, um, uh, chapter 1 uh, verse 4, I didn't put it down here, I should have done, I'm sorry, uh, where Paul says, um, uh, God comforts us in all our afflictions that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. If there's no affliction for us, and there's no comfort for us, it's hard for us to help those who are afflicted as well. God keeps his promises. He blesses us, makes us a blessing to other people through suffering. And we need to trust him that God will do that work when the hard times come. I'm going to stop there. Maybe this might be a chance for us to pray together. Maybe you want to just simply say, God, please help me to trust you when life is really hard. Thank you for speaking to me tonight because my life is hard. I want to see you work. Maybe not to remove. I want you to remove. Always good to ask God, but I know maybe you will work through my suffering and not take it away. Please make me like you. And when you think, mm, I don't know if there's a God or not, maybe here's a good time to pray, God, please help me to see that you are a different God to what I expect. You are a bigger God. You can work through harder days to show that you are great. Let me trust you as you do that. Let's have a minute where we talk to God ourselves and then uh, you might like to ask some questions or say um, how you uh, found this passage helpful. Let's have a moment first where we are quiet and pray.